Hey, man. How you doing? I'm all right. Tired. You ain't the only one. And shit, we gonna we gonna for all y'all people that heard the intro last week, we gonna skip that intro because I'm too tired to do the shit <laughs> and frustrated, man. I'm... Two old men bitching about wrestling. Why don't they work a headlock? Thank, you. thank you, thank. Here's your intro. Yes. I don't like. You... I like Fred. Get off my lawn. Work a headlock. <laughs> There's your intro. Yeah. Just first off, before we get to the, you know, we always catch up and everything. Man, no internet, no cable. I can't even see the. Oh, that's time in forty six years. This when I don't even. The Super Bowl, and for the first time in my adult life, I'm about to miss the Super Bowl, which. I'm very curious to damn see, which is funny. I mean, you you can't, you're not, uh, maybe hit a bar or, you know, somebody's going to be showing it. Oh, no, because, um, shit, there ain't even no bar nearby here. If uh, me, I have to go, probably go see this shit. <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't want to get them damn residents. Yeah. Whatsoever. Mm-mm. Been having that kind of a week, as and and on top of that, imagine me doing all of what I do and through a phone. Yeah, yeah, uh, through a thought, phone is 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 torture. Yeah, uh, like it's, this was an unusually busy week, um, and um, I actually we talked about I talked about you a couple times because uh, I actually had some. This is a rare treat, even though it was, you know, several long days in a row with a lot of driving. I actually got to perform in state, which for me is a massive uh, treat. You would think being. I I, I know you enjoyed that because you had to go for. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, uh, it's it's a little bit of bitterness, but also just you know, at, at times frustration. But uh, as far as to my knowledge, I am the only legitimate uh, white male talent in all of Atlanta. And you would think that would, that would be worth something. But uh, technically, uh, a counterfeit peso has more worth. Uh, so I don't get to, you know, if, if I... <clears throat> so... But uh, no, I actually worked with two... Uh, this week, I worked with Princess Havoc. We haven't seen each other in almost a year, and yeah. we did, and we did a, a fun little scene. I bought some props. I'm always buying stuff to uh, to to make a scene. I'm building up a, you know, a studio wardrobe, um, and we had some fun there. And then, uh, actually, you you connected us. Uh, I I met yeah. and worked with Abby Rhodes all day yesterday, and we got a lot of stuff done. And uh, she is she, and I told her I said if you keep your head on straight and focus on business, you're going to be huge because she has a world of potential. Yes. And she's got uh, a big body and a great attitude. Great attitude, beautiful body. Um, she is my age, like older, you know, in her forties, mm-hmm. but but doesn't look it. And and she told me like, and she basically can be the MILF or she could be the GILF. And I told her she should aim for the GILF because that yeah. I'm like, like, just like 
a reverse interracial with a white guy, mm. black girl, GILF is mm. not an oversaturated market yet. So market, I told yeah. her I said I, I told her I would like kind of help point her in a direction. There's a couple of websites that would hire her in a minute, like, you know, 40 something from uh, Scoreland or um, her mom would, would hire her in a minute. And she's, and she, uh, we did a little bit of acting and she, I think that was her first acting scene. And she, she did, she pulled it off. I mean, we, we're talking about working together once a month uh, and just trading because she lives like in the ass end of Georgia. So we would talk in like, Every month we'll trade off on who comes to who and just film a couple of scenes. And because she likes to do the same stuff that I like to do in like, I'd like to do plots and stuff and make it a little goofy, you know, stay away from the, uh, Oh, you're, you have no money or, Oh, you're stranded on the side of the road. Uh, and, you know, do stuff like more to the homage to the seventies and eighties. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Because, Go ahead. Um, now, because the, for one, like I told her that, um, like I told her that, um, gift market is very, very limited. And, yeah, like I said, um, not overcrowded. And that she don't, she can get away. She can really benefit from doing role play fuck scenes or anything like that because she got that look of where she's a business having a librarian as a flight attendant yeah. you know it's play mm-hmm. and she'll get over because of age. yeah that's that's actually you're right on we you know we need to maybe uh start a studio because you're exactly we did a scene uh where we just kind of did it and we was like, let's do it gentle and whatever. And we did a scene and it was like instant chemistry. And it, we got like a lot of, I mean, just in, because, you know, you, you want to stop the video every, like, I don't know, r- roughly around every seven to 10 minutes. So it makes it easier to move the videos to other places. And we just kept going and we, you know, the, it was like, you know, we've been working together forever. And then the second scene uh, which I came up with an idea. It was like an insurance scam, and she came in, and she mm. she looked like uh, like a doctor coming to make sure I wasn't that pulling was a scheme. And she had like a sweater on, the short skirt. She had her hair up. She and yeah, you're right. Like nurse, uh, she was uh, I said like farmer's daughter. Um, you know, and she's in for all that. And she, like I said, she was a game player, and she was you know fun to be around the whole time. Um, and uh, I actually got to talk to her today after we're done with this. And uh, so, yeah, like, I'm excited because, you know, uh, he, at least, like, uh, Princess and Havoc and I work very well together. And mm-hmm. I sell very well for her. But we, given what she does on the norm, we can't work together as much as I would like because it just, it's, you know, it's um, the law of diminishing returns. Like, when I pop up yeah. on her stuff, it's special. Yeah. Lady Onyx is another local. If I was able to work with her this week, it would be the trifecta. Lady Onyx is incredible and amazing and wonderful. Uh, but she's really busy. I haven't been able to get a hold of her. But with Abby, with Abby and I, I, I think we can build like a third brand separate 
yeah. you know, like, you know, like make it like a cup, like almost like a couple's thing where it's always some kind of scenario. But yeah. no, she's, she's game. Oh, and I, uh, and you probably know this. She looks like a young Ellen Barkin. And I was like, I, and, I, and I joked to her, I'm like, now I know what it's like to fuck Ellen Barkin. And, you know, thank you for that. And she laughed, <laughs> and she's like, you know. Yeah, because, because me, for some girls, less is more. You know, not every girl's into BDSM. Not every girl is, you know, <clears throat> just the simple role play scenes can 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 boost a person's career. And yeah. also because you're playing into the average man's fantasy. And yeah. that to me is kind of like put this. That's more profitable than anything because I know she's not a BDSM girl. So, like I said, with her doing those type role plays, it'll make her stand out even more and attract more. And her being a MILF and, and slash GILF, it, it you don't dudes don't yeah. want to see girls no more, dog. They want to see older women. Boy, she young, she got to look older. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <clears throat> and and again, you know, people want to see plots. They just Brazzers yeah, you know, comes up with really funny, interesting ideas, but their setup takes and mm-hmm. I and I understand why they do it because they put a lot of money into their shit and they charge, you know, like a lot for their website. So it's like we're giving you this. You I found seven five to seven minutes uh of actual plot setup and then staying in character and depending on the situation, staying in the outfit as much as you mm-hmm. can. That's you know. Uh, the not to give it away, it's gonna be out fairly. I would like to get it out fairly quickly. I need to talk to her about it, but um, <clears throat> I was basically trying to scam the insurance company, and she came in and basically we did the setup of I'm trying to, I gotta go through one more physical. I think they're gonna send some crotchety old man who's like 90. I'm gonna get my check and I'm gonna be on Easy Street. In walks in and she's got like a sweater on and like a skirt and stockings, but it's all. It's tight and kind of skippy, but it's very professional looking. And she's doing this examination and she's kind of like just getting in my face and doing all this stuff. And then it just kind of slowly escalates. And then a great sex scene. And then at the end, a little comedy, because that's when she reveals to me as I'm like sweating and huffing and puffing on the edge of the bed. And, you know, she's holding the checkup and, you know, she's, you know, she's covered in my, my cum and everything. And she's, you know, the, the sweater's ripped open and her boobs are and everything. And she's like, yes, actually, I'm from the fraud department. And da, 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 and she tears up the check and throws it in my face and it just leaves. And I'm like, just, ah, it was worth it. And, you know, just kind of collapse. And she was she was on point with everything. And, um, you know, she's done some stuff, but she paid me a huge compliment because and I'm. And this is not a knock on anybody she's worked with up until then, if they hear this, but she considered that her first real boy girl, like professional scene, um, because she's done some stuff and she's still learning. But, you know, this was, you know, she, you know, really enjoyed the experience, which I, I take great pride in. um, But also just, that was like her first one with the plot and acting and everything. And had we had a cameraman, we did really well with the camera angles and everything, but had we had a cameraman, it would have been really fire. Um, you know, but uh, you can't underestimate the value of a good camera person. But uh, we did some great stuff. And, and yeah, no, it was instant. It was instant chemistry and everything. And we talked about you and, you know, she said mm-hmm. you wanted to have her back on the show. And I was like, yeah, no, he's, you know, he's a hustler and, you know, he's, 
straight up honest, um, a little inside baseball for the audience. When Kavanaugh proposed this show to me, I was all about it. And I said, you know, since he's doing all the heavy lifting and I'm just coming on here running my mouth, you know, he's uh, you said, you know, 50 50 down the middle. And I was like, well, you're doing a little bit more of the work. So I said, I'm OK with 60, 40, 70, 30. And you were like, nope, 40, 50, 50. So, you know, straight up, dude you know, grinds and hustles and, uh, you know, and doing big things with this podcasting thing. So, you know, uh, you know, she, she thinks the, uh, she thinks the world of you. She's looking forward to coming uh, back on the show. Same thing with Pushes yeah, Havoc. Yeah. I enjoy talking to and I love talking to Princess Havoc, man, because she always gives good takes on the, um, on, on anything that we do. I, I just love yeah. that girl, man. You know, so shoot. Now we can get through the week. You know, it's time for people to wait for. It's time uh-huh. to talk to Gordon Soley. Yes, 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 it is. <laughs> yeah, we got through that quick. I like that. Yeah. One second. Sorry, technical difficulties. Come on, Gordon, you there? Yeah, wait, sorry, we're having sorry. Gordon's having Gordon's had one too many cocktails today. He's got. Yeah. Hello again, friends, and welcome to Soli's Gordon Soli's Poetry Corner, and we'd like to take a break from the battles of the Crimson Mask and the Matt Wars of pro wrestling and take a little journey into the world of pros. So sit down, relax, and join me, if you will, before we get back to the action. Self-menagerie. Man must justify. This is true. Yet so many refuse to deny Ours is not a small scope to see, but a broad, encompassing menagerie. Each little animal struggles to exist with no thoughts of brothers save to subsist. We call on our gods for wisdom and truth, yet we ourselves stay locked in a booth, slit open the doors, step out into the light, and then my friends, offer the fight. And to you, and I want to leave you with a message before we get back to the wrestling action and an interview with the great Dusty Rhodes. Life can be hard. And sometimes you have to retreat and sometimes you have to just grab your problems by the waist and give it a solid souffle. Because there's always another day to fight. So thank you for sharing this moment with me, Gordon Soley. And now we bring you back to Pilgrim on Wrestling. Uh-uh. You won't be disappointed. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're now in the pro wrestling smoke of our show. And I hope y'all enjoyed the poetry greats of our sports, Gordon Soley. Well, Welcome yes. back, Billy. Hey, yeah, no, Gordon really, 
Gordon Liu seems to knock it out and stay in the voice when he's just woken up, and you know, so who knows? He may have to do these early morning, you know. But uh, thank you, Gordon. Not a problem, Chuck. We love you. Ever. So you had to lead this because I have um, what's the word I'm looking for? You have to lead this because I didn't really see much. I was able just to catch up with some of the um. What is it? God damn it! What they call it? The, the results. Yeah, yeah. For the most part. So, where, where, where you want to begin, brother? Um. <laughs> well, unfortunately, uh, I I uh, I kind of had a little bit of the same problem. I have not had a chance. Um, the last couple of days have, like I said, the last like four days up until now have been a little crazy it's been a lot of driving and running around and and uh doing things so i have not had a chance to keep up with wrestling um i'm mm. actually kind of, i have AEW on the background of my little podcast studio but i i have to say i have to sound off uh so um you know i, I managed to do and i did focus on getting the research done for the black uh, uh wrestling history profile because uh, that was something you actually had to think. So I think uh, this week you're going to get a very, you know, we're still we're still hammering down the recording schedule. Every episode yeah. gets better. Um, and again, we live uh, real lives, so we're not making the um, the big bucks just yet to afford us the free time. Uh, yeah. We do apologize, but we know enough about what's going on in wrestling uh, that we can kind of you know, have a discussion about it. Um, and so actually, I mean, I, well, this is the thing. I, I'm going to pull up this, this thing real quick. <laughs> what was that? So we're going to begin with the WWE. Uh, oh. I just, first off, why is we seeing Goldberg again? I mean, I, I'm a Goldberg fan. I love Goldberg. Don't get it twisted. But his matches are just Ah, and you putting them against Roman. Well, you know, it's laziness. WWE's been doing this for now decades, where, you know, the Attitude Era was the most profitable era in the company. It allowed Vince to go public and make him all the money. And in, and that's the thing, too. When you go public in the business, it doesn't actually ever, if anything, it diminish, diminishes the quality of a business. It just means that people who run it get to make more money and then all the quality control goes out the window because you get some two inch dick having white chubby guy behind the desk crying like well i only i want to make an extra nickel on this stock this year so why don't you like stop doing this or take away this so i can make that extra nickel because i only have two yachts or you know my kid's only going to one ivy league school and i'm poor um you know, Chick-fil-A, I always hold up as a perfect example, despite their caveman-like philosophy to social issues. It's, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a fucking amazing chicken sandwich, um, which proves that intolerance uh, makes it ch the chicken tender and tasty. Uh, but everybody in the South eats it. Gay, black, straight, I mean, people can't resist it. And because the family, one family owns it and they have a standard and they know how to run that business. I mean, it's a, probably the best run and operated fast food chain. And I guarantee you, I said, if they ever go public, 
you're going to see all that go away. And that's, yeah. and then, and then, the, and then that you're going to be able to on Sundays, they're going to, the, the, you know, the whole, the, the quality of the food's going to go down and everything. And, you know, so uh, that was the era that made Vince really rich. And that was the last time he had major stars and uh, he brings them back and then he puts them over on his current stars, which gets a pop for the fans that don't, there are a certain subset of WWE fans that don't know their head from their ass. They just know WWE. So mm-hmm. that's what they like. And, and they go to the shows and everything, or the people that like may turn it on for five minutes go, Oh yeah. I remember when I was a teenager, there's, you know, there's Goldberg, but it just hurts <laughs> their business. And it's, yeah. and again, it's the law of diminishing returns, you know, see, people think, are getting think, older. But I think it, them of the 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 Arab Prince really likes Goldberg, and I think they which is really, funny because he's a Jew. <laughs> I mean, he must have been a huge. <laughs> there was a WCW. I'm just saying, bro, because to me, one the match itself is not going to be as you know good. As it could, you know, as it, as it probably could be, you know. Period. Now the question is, which someone brought the, brought brought this was that um have go over back. That wouldn't make any fucking sense. No, that would be the no. They're not going to do that. That would be the absolute worst possible thing like you would if they did that then that's all then any pro wwe defenders you lose you lost the case like in court it's just because they have two world championships and i don't and no offense to bobby lashley who if you were again if you were gonna have a world champion you you know but with roman it's been 500 some days it's getting really close to two years and that's the only real world title because he hasn't lost it and it's holding on to it. The promos, the thing with Paul Heyman, it's the only good thing he got going. Oh, so period. And, and here's the thing. Whatever happens at WrestleMania, I have a feeling they're going to cram in a lame-ass title versus title, or they're going to do a stupid three-way. Either way, Roman Reigns needs to win, and you need to keep that belt on him, even if it's for three years, until you find somebody that can take it off and actually hold it for a long time because you now it's not, have it's not Brock Lesnar. Well Brock Brock just takes the check and then goes home and then you know comes back. Uh and here's the other thing. You you've now built up such an equity. So whoever takes it off him ha- you have to basically build him up to that. And again, he has to hold it for a while. Otherwise you just and you if you put it back on Roman again, you ruin it. So mm-hmm. And and you can't have the Rock do it. Do people keep talking about? Oh, the Rock's gonna come. Back. He's not he yeah, doing. Not. Black Adam and and a whole bunch but, of other people. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got like stuff coming out the ass, and and uh, he apparently is so busy that I, I mean it, it could have been his dad just being a dick. But when his yeah. dad's biography was being written by Scott Teal, The Rock was supposed to write the forward, which I'm sure he would have mm-hmm. done. It's his father. But uh, Rocky Johnson told Scott Teal that, 
oh no, my son's entirely too busy to write, you know, two pages praising me. So Scott Teal wrote uh, the forward that just said the rock wrote, wrote it. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he had permission, but it, you know, it, that yeah. forward, if you're one of the few that own that book and I own it, uh, it, it's not the rock that wrote it. It's, 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 uh, it's Scott Teal. Um, and he's too busy. Plus he is, he's like literally worth billions. There is no way, there is no amount of money or offer Vincent man can make that would allow that a studio would allow him to get in the ring, even for his cousin, and and either one lose and he can't win because it's like well he, he, like you said black adam he has the uh the the the, the fast and the furious spinoff series that you know mm-hmm. and he's got all these other stuff coming out you can't defend this so it they they've weirdly booked themselves into a corner but in a good way in that if they just leave it alone then it could go for a while but again, they don't make stars anymore and they don't book anybody to be worth anything. So it's like, well, after this, what is Roman going to, who's Roman going to work with? You, yeah. you have to, you have to repair, you have to repair McIntyre. You have to repair Biggie. You have to repair a lot of wrestlers. It, cause just cause you say this week, Oh, now he's mad. And now he's coming out there and he's going to be a goddamn contender. Da, da, da. Like really? Well, then in that case, I'm, I'm the best porn star in the world. And Bradley should hire me tomorrow, and I'm gonna thank everybody, and I'm gonna be the best. Da, 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 da. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You know, uh, they, their lazy booking is slowly biting them in the ass because you know these guys are getting older, even though they're in great shape. And it's one thing to be in great shape and be in that ring. Plus, it's a long flight to get there, and it's hot yeah. as fuck. They keep having outdoor venues. It's hot. It's a it's a weird heat that that Americans are not used to. That's what happened with the Goldberg uh, Undertaker thing. It wasn't that he was out of shape. It was that it was a long ass flight. Both of these guys in their fifties and beaten up, the, you know, Undertaker more so, and then this crushing heat. And you know, I mean, I mean, come on, I get it. You're you're a genetic phenom, but but Father Time is unbeaten. You know, it's like. They obviously it's it's the Saudi people that always want him there, which again it's hilarious because he's a Jew, uh, and uh, you know, and uh, they uh, yeah, it's I think Roman needs to squash him. I think Roman needs to beat his ass in under five minutes. Yeah, yeah, actually, and to me that would make sense to put Roman even more strongly because he did something. That Brock didn't do. Yeah, and yeah. and here's the thing: the wrestling business has made Goldberg rich and famous. The wrestling business has given uh, Les, uh, Goldberg more than Goldberg has given the wrestling business. Mm-hmm. So I would like to think, because I like him as a person, I don't like him mm-hmm. as a wrestler. I would like to think he would have the brains in his head if somebody, because uh, if I was the booker of the match, I go, look, here's the deal: you're going to go out there. He's good. You're going to give him one of your big moves. He's, he's going to pop up. He's going to basically do a couple of his things. And then he's going to put your ass down and uh, choke you out. And mm-hmm. that's it. And it's going to go about five to seven minutes. And yeah. if Goldberg has learned anything, it's like you're rich, you're Goldberg. You're never going to, you know, you can afford to lose five you minutes. Yeah. You know, to, especially to and if, about all wrestlers, Roman Reigns, you know, you've been given so much. I, I and if he actually if that actually did happen, I would 
I would have a whole new opinion of Goldberg because I never had a high opinion of him. I always felt he was a little bratish and a little spoiled and a little whiny when it came to the wrestling business. Um, and, you know, after like the first couple of months of his initial run, it got old with me. Then when he kept coming back and then, you know, just everything, it always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. If he goes to the Saudi Arabia and just lets Roman squash him into the convincing fashion, it just lays there. Then yeah. I'll be like, you know what? He finally got it. All is forgiven. I don't have a bad word to say about Goldberg ever again, but it remains yeah. to be seen. I mean, I refuse to watch it because, again, uh, I I don't like Saudi Arabia. And I, yeah. and uh, I, I'm and probably I, watching because I know it'll probably be during the day while I'm at work. So give me something to look at while I'm at work. <laughs> yeah. I don't know when it is. So, because um, I know they be doing that shit like, the freaking day, you know, so everybody down. Yeah, but, well, um, it's because it's on the other side of the world. I mean, you know, it's a, uh, you know, I'm sure they'll do a replay, obviously, but uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. I, that whole Saudi Arabia thing rubs me the wrong way, but, you know, WWE has, as time and again shown, they don't really have uh, much in the way of integrity, so. Mm. But but speaking about that, because it's interesting you mentioned uh, the double champion thing. I truly believe that when they do the, the elimination chamber, yeah, Goldberg coming out champ. Um, because, like I said before, we talked about last week, do you want Goldberg to be pinned? Not Goldberg, excuse me. Lord have mercy. Lesnar to be pinned going into, Wrestle, going into WrestleMania. That's the kicker. And clean because okay, unless you're gonna have, which probably gonna happen, in, you know. Period. I would think that if you if you're not gonna put the belt on Goldberg, take out excuse me, put the belt on Lesnar, take him out before the match, so that he's not even involved, you know. Period. Because then what you're gonna do have one? He probably gonna be the last two in the ring. With Lashley, you gonna have Lashley get a pin over on him? Come on! And and, here, and here's the thing. Again, I I feel like they booked themselves into a corner because the other legitimate champion star you have is Bobby Lashley, and you already had mm-hmm. you know again you 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 know he lost the belt to he lost the belt to Biggie, which wasn't anything wrong with that. You but Biggie basically you sandbagged him as a champion, so there was something wrong with that. Um, you know, you're only as good as the guy that beat you. And, you know, like Ric Flair had great matches with George South. George South never won the world title. There's a reason for that. Um, so you've kind of, you know, turned Big E, who could have been a big, you know, champion for you, you turned him into George South. And uh, so now, okay, you're going to have him lose the bell for a sake of a title versus title match. Uh, you're diminishing... Lashley's value because you're not going to allow somebody to hold you didn't do it with the women you're not going to allow them to hold both belts so even if Lashley gets it back after Wrestlemania then you know he only got it back because the other guy gave it up and then on top of it or even if you work him into like a three way you ruin the match because people want Lesnar Reigns that's it no three way Uh, if they don't do a three way which they shouldn't that who is Lashley going to wrestle at WrestleMania? It's like you're cutting the nuts mm. off a guy. And here's the best part. I'm, again, 
no disrespect to Lesnar, but Lesnar is not there. Lesnar shows up, gets his check. He shows up yeah. long enough until eventually he gets tired of being paid millions, and he tells Vince, I'm going home. Don't call me for six months. Lashley, at the age of 45, is out there looking like a million dollars, and for a big athletic guy who looks like he's 30, he is putting in work. He's not just going out there and squashing people. He's going out there and having matches, making himself look good, you know, yeah. he, and he's and he's making his opponents look good. And he's got MVP out there being like the best manager in the business right now. Uh, and the whole nine. And you're cutting the guy's nuts off. You, you're right. Either he has to be fucked out of the match before the match or something mm-hmm. nefarious has to happen. And, Les, and Lashley needs to win that match at state champion. And you need to give him an opponent for WrestleMania that makes him look good. Because... Yeah, person probably could they didn't move the smack down and put him in the t- and put him back in the tag team with Kofi and they don't even call him the new day <laughs> they mean, don't even call him the new day dog they just Kofi and Big E right but they're the new day yeah and Vince well, once again his warp thought process because I, I heard that backstage wise he really likes the new day and if you felt that they are so marketable, this why? Yeah, no, it's all good. That 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 was on me. But but I was saying though, like Vince, his thought process, right, is that what's what I'm looking for. His thought process, for what I heard, is that a face should not be in a click, uh. but a face supposed to have friends. You feel me? The heel did not have friends. Anytime we have a heel click, it's, it's, it's mutual interest, per se. You feel what I'm coming from? And, and to me, that's kind of crazy because if you like New Day, why'd you split them in the first place? And then if you like Big E, why did you have Big E lose the way he is and then completely, quietly moved him out of the title hunt? Well, the New Day have been fan favorites for years now and a massive money-making machine and they've proven to have great matches they could all cut promos they like i said the motherfucker this is how talented these fuckers are and not counting ability they got mm. every color shit these motherfuckers made up colors to wear they got those colors over they got a fucking trombone no actually they got two trombones uh plural over mm. they got fucking unicorn horns they got fucking pancakes they got fucking cereal. They, you know, every ridiculous goddamn thing uh, that you would think would make them like ineffectual comedy act. They got over and that company cashed in on every and as much as New Day makes money, the WWE makes way more. They got all that shit over and still were able to be taken seriously because they could cut the promos and they went in the ring and they delivered. So they didn't go out there and were like, you know, the Keystone Cops and just fall over the place. They had amazing matches. They had all, you know, and honestly, if you're not going to make, if you're not going to, you know, keep Kofi and or Biggie in the title picture and, you know, what have you intermittently and so on, there's no reason not to keep them together. And there's no reason to keep, not keep a new day. You know, you might want to, if you feel like it's getting a little stale, take them off TV for a couple months and just pay them and say, Hey, if you need a surgery, go get the surgery, get healed up, you know, have some fun, 
and then come back and they'll be new again, get some fresh ideas because these guys can get anything over. They're like the greatest trio click. I would put them up there with the Freebirds because of what they've been able to do and achieve. And unlike the, and I would put them up with the Freebirds because unlike the Freebirds, they don't have the ability to just be, go to a place for a year and then leave when they're hot. Yeah. Go to another territory. They've been walking up the WWE bullshit hill, hill for years and killing it. So Vince doesn't know what the fuck he's doing anymore. And I don't care if I offend any, if anybody's offended by the fact that Vince has completely, like he never really had it. I think it was a lot of luck and, and, you know, just kind of having the talent carry the rest of his ideas, the rest of the way, the new day is money. And to, to separate them or to just kill it, it's stupid beyond belief. Yeah. It's moronic. And he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Yeah. The other big news out of WWE is that Sami Zayn is now two times in the continent champ. He beat Sasuke Nakamura over the, uh, you know what I'm saying, this past Friday. And I was like, okay, you know what I'm saying, which I don't mind Sammy. I like Sammy's being the champ or what have you. Um, and then I kind of think whatever else then happened on Raw. Of course, the fervoring of Becky Lynch versus Lita, um, she got over on Becky again this week. Um, what do you think about that match between them? Becky Lynch and Le- I think it's a waste. I think it's a waste. Yeah. I think they're they're squandering again. It's one of those things. Somebody gets over in a miraculous fashion, like a McIntyre or whatever, and then you just don't. Yeah. And Lita, I'm sorry, Lita was never that great of a wrestler. She wasn't. She was somebody who kind of mimicked the gimmick of the guy she was with, and she had a yeah. couple of moves, and she was and she was competent. <laughs> And it doesn't bet like what is what is what is big time Bex gonna get out of beating fucking Lita? Nothing. Like why aren't you using? Why aren't you bringing back Bailey if she's ready to come back as like you know dastardly heel? Why aren't you using Bianca Belair? Bianca Belair, I did not like her, and she won me over. And I and mm-hmm. I, ironically, when she won me over, I'm like, okay, I was wrong. I was like, I was wrong, and now you're fucked because now I kind of like you. And anything I like from the WWE, they shit on. I felt bad. Yeah, because um, to me, I would it is out of all the good ladies that y'all have on that roster that you could have had, you could have had a three way dance between Becky, Bianca, or even better, just had the four way with Dewdrop. You know what I'm saying? Becky, Bianca, and Liv. You know what I'm saying? Because to me, one, um, I don't see what this would do for Becky because one, we haven't seen Lita in God knows how long. Okay? She hasn't wrestled in God knows how long. The win is not going to boost Becky as a champ, you know, period. Actuality, it, the match, the women's match of the night is really going to be that tag match with um, um, Ronda Rousey and and um, Naomi versus Charlotte and damn, what's her fucking name? Ronda Rousey, huh? The, the, what's Ronda, her damn name? Ronda Rousey. No, no, Ronda Rousey. No, the person gonna be tagging with uh, uh, Flair. Oh God, I cannot. Sorry to oh, find oh, it. I, um, Sorry, yeah, people. Sorry, yeah, people. unfortunately, Yeah, and which this past week. Finally, after months, 
Woman Car got her, her payback on her. That, you know, Vince said he sent the email saying he don't like authority figures that overuse their powers and she can't touch Naomi and Naomi slapped the shit out of her ass. <laughs> Yeah. Well, finally, you gave, and that's the other thing. There, there's another example of a talent that's gorgeous. Not, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, she's marketable in the sense that she's absolutely beautiful, athletic, talented. She, she's another one that like that glow thing never really did it for me, but she got it over. Yeah. You know, yeah. again, a talent. Or why isn't she with the whole Roman Reigns thing? Like, move her to the brand and make her. Yeah, part of the that's whole, what I'm saying. You know, that's what I'm uh, saying. I mean, because she's on SmackDown, her husband is. You know, they could easily. I would love to see Naomi as a heel. Honestly. Yeah, and she could do it. And she'll make a way better heel than the face because the way she smack talk. And they could have easily shuffled that into where Roman, like, look, give her a title match or I'm walking. You know what I'm saying? And then have Jimmy interfere by, you know, distracting whomever and she gets the pin. Yeah. You got the better off of Flair. You know what I'm saying? Let Flair go away for about a month or two. Take a vacation. Uh-huh. Let Mark McCarr build himself as a heel champion and then try to bring... But Even though it wouldn't make sense because there's no way in hell you can ever make uh, Charlotte Flair an actual face. Yeah. But you can bring her back as a face or what have you. Or have another girl get the belt off and kind of which, 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 before we get to AEW, I got to tell you this one because I'm reading news right now. Oh, but um, uh, by the way, Sonya Deville, no offense. Sorry, it took me a second to like go run to the thing. Sonya Deville, sorry, Sonya, uh, great wrestler and a, and a great, mm-hmm. you know, again, another multi talented talent that's being wasted. Yeah. Yeah. Because to me, she was like, her and Liv Morgan, in my opinion, they were, well, excuse me, Mandy Rose, they were the next tier. They was yeah. the next up for me. Because Mandy had to look, Mandy could actually fucking wrestle. And she's proven that in NXT. Yeah. Right now. Sonya Deville had great matches. And I don't know whether she was injured or they feel some type of way because she's lesbian and I don't want her in the ring bullshit because you know how homophobic some a certain McMahon can be. And oh, uh, no, the WWE is racist as fuck. I mean people yeah, like and homophobic. Here's the as thing. Fuck. Hipster wrestlers, rest, hipster wrestling fans drive me nuts because they'll claim to be a fan of wrestling and then they go on podcasts and whatever. A lot of like comedians when I was a comic were like wrestling fans and then they would do these podcasts and they would just basically take nothing but jabs at pro wrestling going, oh, it's racist, and dun, 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 dun. And I'm like, okay, how do you a fan, if it's so horrible and it's such a disgusting thing, you're not talking about the Jim Barnett's or the Pat Patterson's or the, you know, the the Rocky Johnson's or the, or, you know, what have you, but you're always taking pot shots at it. Why are you a fan of it then? You know, like, I don't understand what the fuck you're, you know, I mean, wrestling has never been perfect, but the mm. one company that really solidifies racist, homophobic, you know, like, uh, uh, oh, you're really talented, so we're threatened by it, so we're going to stomp on you, is the WWE. Yeah. yeah and most they have the record to prove it, and it's, like, glaring. Mm. You know, the sad part is, they ain't nothing else to really talk about in the WWE. <laughs> I really want to talk about because I don't want to talk about the Mad Cat Moss versus um, Drew McIntyre. It, it, that's, that, that's a waste of a fucking match, to say the least. Uh... I said, probably 
after the the well, the Saudi Arabia show, we probably definitely probably review it. You know what I'm saying? Because I know I watch it and what have you and get your well, opinion. If we're gonna review it, I'll watch it. I wasn't going to. I was gonna like kind of get the. But if we're gonna review it, I'll actually watch it. Because me, I I'm the kind of person. I'm just a pure wrestling. Like the product. Still watch it because I was like that when I was like that with TNA. TNA was garbage for a long time, but I still made a point to watch. It, you know, because that's just the wrestling in me. So we're yeah. done with WWE because they ain't really much important to talk about. But I do want to bring these up for moving to AEW. Recently had Power Trip, which is their huge, which is one of their big events, and Matt Condona is now our NWA World Champion. Love it. Yes, I love think that's it. great. Love it. Um, no offense to uh to uh Trevor Murdoch. Trevor Murdoch, I think he had they had they had they gotten to him right after he well, I mean, again, it's always that thing of the right time and the era. Had they got him when he left the WWE and he was still like the Trevor Murdoch of the WWE, I think mm-hmm. he would have been a good NWA champion, champion for like yeah. like a good for a couple of months, like a not, not a transitional champion where he's got done in the month, but like you know, kind of a heelish, you know, thuggish Harley race type heel. But he like retired for a long time, and obviously he's gained some weight, and that weight has not. I, I kind of saw a match with him because I'm trying mm. to. Again, this podcast is we're getting better every episode, and we're and it's really becoming a thing. So we're so it's kind of. In, in at least in my personal life, I'm trying to adjust my schedule to have time in the day for research, to do mm. the old school profiles, but also watch a lot of stuff that normally, you know, this week I uh, I I was a bad boy and I kind of faltered, but uh, I had pussy to fuck. I don't know what to tell you. Um, but uh, hopefully nobody be mad at that. Goddamn it. <laughs> but but uh, you know, but Murdoch, he looked. He doesn't look good. He never was a body guy, but he looks like he gained weight. He doesn't have the charisma he does not look like a guy who made a comeback and won the you know just i was like this guy's not whereas cadona uh and i always knew this was gonna happen he's been he's an impact he's in you know he's in game changer he's in you know he's doing stuff online setting up scandals he's he's now the nwa champion and i like you said i love it guy looks like a million dollars the guy you know will work and he's willing to there is no day off for this fucking guy. He's out there to prove a point. So I think if they if they you know get behind him, he's going to be a really good heel NWA champion, and he'll take yeah. that belt to all the other places he's going, and just you know, yeah. and that's what you but, want. Mm-hmm. If you're so, a smaller and, promotion, take my NWA belt to Game Changer and cause chaos, and go in there and be a headbreaker, and you know, and it'd be an invader mm-hmm. and so on, like Matt Cardona. Yeah, you know, right now, like he's setting himself up for being the, uh, you know, the kind of uh, the loose cannon of. He's becoming the man in the Indies right now. He's becoming the man in the Indies because yeah. he held the game changer title. He won the internet title for M- for the for the Impact title, and that is the NWA World Champion. And also from reading, apparently, even Nick Nick all. Do a rematch comes out and says, "I would do a rematch. I want my rematch." So, so the next opponent will Nick all. It's going to be a fire ass match because Nick all did. Um, 
Cadona a transitional champ because they didn't want Nick Aldis to beat Trevor Murdoch because you also still, for people that keep up with the NWA, you still have the Pope as a title shot waiting on him. Well, you know, in, in, my, in my opinion, and this is just me, you know, armchair booking, but if you did not have Nick Aldis cash in his match with Murdoch, because you didn't want Murdoch to beat him like a second time, uh, then that means that Murdoch was a transitional champion. And again, yeah. you know, uh, again, Murdoch, unfortunately, you know, it, it, like you said, life kind of happened. He didn't, you know, um, it, it was just like a little bit of a comeback. And it's a nice little, you know, thing to, you know, put on his resume that he was an NWA world champion. I think all this should not like you don't make Matt Cardona unless unless he's going to be literally too many places at once. I would mm-hmm. keep the belt on him a while, and I would base because the NWA needs a jolt. The NWA it, it's like literally like eating matzah, like unsalted matzah. If if you never mm-hmm. had a matzah cracker, it's unsalted matzah has no taste. I yeah. you need to you need to spice it up. You need to get that crowd being loud in that studio. You need the wrestlers to kind of really cut loose. And Matt Cardona will cut a promo in a quiet, dead-ass room and lose his shit and, and be all the energy in the room. You need that. He'll, Like I said, he'll take that belt if you let him to Game Changer. He'll take it to Impact, and he'll fucking talk it up, and I'm this, and you ain't shit, and he'll fucking yeah. be dirty and psychotic and the whole nine. So I would keep it on him. If, if you're going to let him do that, because this guy's looking to make up for a lot of lost years of, of just being a team player in WWE. You know, Nick Aldis is a great NWA champion and he does the thing with the suit and, and everything. But if you want the NWA to get back out there again, because it's very much falling behind because of the pandemic and because of all the changes, Matt Cordona could be the guy that by the end of the year, all of a sudden the NWA championship means something. You know, it's it's one of those. You know, you know the phrase. Uh, you know the you know the the wrestler needs the belt, not the belt needs the wrestler. Well, the belt yeah. needs a wrestler. The belt yeah. needs a wrestler to make it relevant again. And I'm sorry, Nick Aldis is an awesome world champion, and he helped yeah. get it halfway there. But he's too, and he's too polished. And you know, I don't think this guy's had a flake of dandruff since he was like 15. <laughs> <laughs> you need the like this guy. I guarantee you, this guy like this guy looks so perfect. You could put him in wool tights and make him ride a bike in August in Mississippi, and his balls wouldn't even sweat. You need you need a guy that can go out there with some smelly balls and like bring attention to the title and make him like a loose cannon and just go like have him just come in and fuck people up and and take forever to get his comeuppance and mm-hmm. keep the belt on him. And if it's working, keep the belt on him. And it would, you know, and 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 again, get it, get on everybody's ass on the roster, the NWA, and in that audience. Have a guy out there, like in between commercial breaks, and be like, "You motherfuckers mm-hmm. need to get loud, or we're gonna have you leave, and we're gonna bring in new people." Like, be loud, motherfuckers. You know, we're, we're in the, like yeah, a, by ten. Be the NBA World Champions, the Pope, because I was, because he did a promo on the last show, and man, I swear to God, he channeled Dusty Rhodes. Man, and he, I could tell he used to watch Dusty Rhodes a lot. And also, when he was in, I think, uh, what was he? Well, no, he was. He wasn't even there when Dusty Rose was there. Um, when he was in the W, when he was, because I think he was in ECW and they was doing NXT then. But 
it's just like the Pope, he's a good wrestler. His talk game is on fucking point. I'm very surprised. No I have other to, major- I'll make it a point. I, I kind of, I have to, I know of him and I've seen his matches. I haven't seen him recently. Yeah. I'll go, I trust your judgment. I'll go and take yeah. a look. Now, yeah, cause they, they drop shows on YouTube. You know, know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, because it's just, again, it's kind of, um, and again, the time. <laughs> when you're when you're not busy for so long, and then stuff is yeah. starting to happen, you have to like kind of readjust. You got to make time. Yeah. You got to make less time for doing nothing and more time for doing shit. Um, and it's harder than people think. But yeah. you know the thing with the Pope. But <clears throat> again, I think Matt Cardona has something cooking here. I would keep yeah. the belt on him for a while and have, if anything, have like have him deal with all this, and then have the Pope chase him through. Like on the show, but also and like actually, here's just an idea off the top of my head, and let the fans comment and tell me what they think. Have Cardona, like I said, go out there. He's re- literally wrestling for like three different companies. He's all over the place. He's doing all this shit. Have him with that belt, and have him just t- not every other word is NWA World Champion, and cause mm-hmm. a stir, and have um, you know Pope on the NWA show. Be like, well, where is he? I'm here. Where is he? Well, I'm here. Cut those promos and have a great matches. And then after a while, the Pope starts showing up to these places. And that's where, you know, Macadona is beating people. He's jumping people. He's fucking people over. And all of a sudden, the Pope yeah. shows up at a Game Changer Wrestler uh, pay-per-view. And all of a sudden, Mac gets a little bit of a comeuppance. It's like, all right, motherfucker. You got me sitting on the NWA studio waiting on your ass. I decided to come fucking get you. And now I'm going to be yeah. – every- I'm now your yeah. black shadow. <laughs> I'm yeah. the black shadow motherfucker and have him hunt and you know again impact game changer maybe a little AEW and be like motherfucker I'm your black shadow I yeah. I'm 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 your fucking uh that that Will Smith movie like I'm your magical negro I'm going to follow you everywhere you go and fuck with your shit and yeah. you know and and go after him and you know Everybody, you know, they, they everybody gets a little bit of a benefit from this feud, and then at a the right time on a pay per view, an NW pay per view, the Pope wins. You know, because the NWA, you got to think a little outside the box to get that heat back, because you're not going to have the Rock and Roll Express. Jim Cornette's gone. The connection to the old school is gone. You got to you got to put a little spice on it. You got to make it. You got to make what's old new again, and you got to do some modern methods. So that's kind of how I would do it off the top of mm-hmm. my head. And I would keep the Pope strong, and I would keep Mac strong, and then eventually yeah. have them. And I would just have the Pope become a constant ball breaker. I would have him cutting promos every which where, everywhere that anybody will give him a microphone, and have him own that NWA show. It's like he ain't coming here because he's afraid. And then you know, and like I said, Mac Cardona's gonna defend the NWA. He's gonna fight Moxie for the you know. It's gonna be a you know NWA champion fighting for the game changer title. Have have Pope come out. And just stand at ringside and fuck with him. Not even the interfere, yeah. just fuck with him. And then he loses the match and then comes in and like whoops his ass and sends them running. Yeah. Because you know? to me, cause to me, I think Nick Aldis can take the loss because he's mm-hmm. been champ for I don't know how long. And he can always come back and get the belt. Yeah. You know, and- period. And to me, I think the money is Matt Condona, is the Pope, because both of their promos are so on point. I like his promo, but it's not as fiery. It don't emotion as that, uh, and he can't get heat like that of Matt Cadona. Like Matt Cadona can love him and hate him in the same fucking promo. And and I'm not saying you know push you know all this to the to the back of the thing. 
you know, give maybe give him the North American title, do some interesting stuff with yeah. him. But again, the NWA that show is dry and it's quiet and it's just and even the commentary, last commentary that I heard, I'm like, this is bad. Like it needs to be rehabbed hard. And I'm gonna tell you, know you, and, I and hate you that you these... left the NWA because he was the 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 bright spot when he was there on commentary. I am sorry, but jokes. The Jim Cornette, somebody need to go ahead and spend a million dollars and make Jim Cornette, which I know he probably wouldn't even do it because he got he making too much doing now. I'm sorry, he was one of the best color comic, yeah. best color in the business, and yeah. y'all got. Mad. Joke that really wasn't even it shouldn't even been an issue. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And and people like to you know. And here's the funny. And again, it's as far as the people getting offended. There's the thing. I don't want to get. I'm just gonna glaze over it because it's it, this is a wrestling podcast. But there's there's people actually out there saying horrible, evil shit that need to be dealt with. And you know they have the right to say it because of free speech. But then they need to feel the consequences. And then there's people like yeah. I just said, I just said Magical Negro. And that is an old movie trope. Okay. I'm not actually yeah. trying to, you know, it's like, you know, uh, Vagabants or whatever, what it was called. And, you know, yeah. the Magical Negro comes out and teaches the, 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 mis, the misguided white person, you know, a lesson. The Magical Negro. Yeah. It's an old movie trope. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, have him come out and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pop up everywhere and, 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 you know, show you the way. Now again, I don't use that word. Like I don't refer to my black friends as, "Oh yeah, this yeah. Is my, that's Negro right here." Yeah. But people will get bent out of shape over, over nothing, and, and companies are for- term that was in movies back in the day to describe a certain type black character that comes in to be the yeah in, like. In- white people, like if we were in a movie in the fifties, I would be the guardian angel. You'd be the magical Negro. Mm. And that's basically yeah. what it is. It's a guardian angel, but they can't say guardian angel because they got to remind everybody that they're black. Like the people aren't going to notice. But you know, people do get offended over over dumb shit, and it's it takes away from when people. Say, you got to understand, like, okay, somebody misspeaking or somebody using it and not listening to the contents of what they're saying, and they're maybe using an old phrase. Uh, like for me, I'm sorry, I use it very sparingly. But I, mm. as long as Republicans are going to be around, I'm going to use it. I use the word retarded. And I understand a lot of people lose their shit when, I, when people say retarded. I use it sparingly. But uh, one thing, the reason why I push back on this is, one, it's a medical term. And two, mm. when people try to say, well, it's up there, that and the C word is up there with the bit. I'm like, no, it's not. Okay. No, it's not. You okay. cannot. The N word is in a league of its. It is Tom Brady of hatred words. It's got mm-hmm. 12 rings. No, 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 no. I get it. You have a family member or a friend that's mentally challenged and it's uh, offensive to you. But the word is nowhere near, you know, there, it's nowhere near that level of hatred. And, yeah. and, you know, sometimes, and again, I've, I've used it sparingly, but I still use it. And when people get in my face, I go, yeah, no, no, I... Yeah, no, I gave up. I changed a lot of uh, phrases and there's a lot of words I don't use anymore. I never really use like racist slangs or a lot, but there's certain phrases that aren't deemed admissible anymore. And I'm like, good, okay, I'm willing to evolve. 
that one I'm holding on to. And people get offended and want to ruin somebody's life over something innocuous when there's people out there doing really evil shit. And you need to focus on the real evil shit. Yeah, most definitely. So let's transition to a big that is Keith Lee is now yeah. and damn did he to me best I gotta put introduction to AW. Yo, it this is the Keith Lee that we know and love, not Bearcat Lee. This yeah, is the Keith Lee we know and love. He he really showed. Well, they had yeah. He wrestled like he did when he was in PWG or the other other uh, you know thing before he got signed. Like the WWE basically uh, denuded him, and I knew. When they signed, I'm like, well, I don't think he's going to have a good time there. And I was right. No, I actually was watching the match. Like, again, I have AEW going on in the background, and I'm watching it as we're talking. And no, he and the private party did a great job of of selling for him. And and he threw them around. And again, he was Keith Lee. He was a cocky, strong, as motherfucker Keith Lee. Uh, And also, unlike Jay Lethal, he won a match. Yeah, because uh, yeah. Jay Lethal has yet to win shit. Although he's had a great match with with uh, Ricky Starks last last week, but yeah, he didn't win a match Dynamite. <laughs> they, 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 he is on the other bullshit. Is the yeah, main yeah. the main show he has not won. Uh, yeah, you know, but I'm telling me he's he's there for a cup of coffee. Lana comes back and he's going to leave AEW. And go to Ring of Honor. Don't let him. Don't let him devalue because you know again, winning and losses do matter. Because and you know the thing that worries me about AEW. Okay, they signed uh, Keith Lee, and then Jay White is now coming to AEW. It's like, look, you and and Tony, and again, AEW has improved so much. I'm actually watching at this moment. Uh, mm-hmm. FTR versus Punk and Moxley, yeah, it was- and it's a great match. But the problem is now you have so much talent, and it's there. You gotta like, okay, you're doing a good job of having matches, and then maybe having a couple of feuds. But you you have like too, you have too much. It's like trying to cook Thanksgiving dinner on one stove. You want to have all these sides and you want to have a turkey and a ham and you want to do this. And it's like you got too much good and you got no place to put it. And like how many more people are you going to sign? Because, uh, I mean, there's like, again, I think possibly either somebody needs to buy Impact and put them on a network and give them a two hour show and re revamp that roster with some of these guys that, that AEW have signed or, or, or Tony Khan, AEW needs to buy impact and put mm. it where dynamite is. Get rid of dynamite. Uh, not dynamite. I'm sorry. Get rid of rampage, put impact on Fridays, make it and keep it separate. Do not allow people to go back and forth uh, until their contract is up. Make it two separate, different types of contracts, you know, and uh, give impact a two hour show. And take a lot of these guys that you're signing and put them over there. And like I said, revamp. And because there's so much, I mean, I I don't know, like Jay White, it's like, what are you going to do? 
what, what you keep signing all these people, and there's only FTR, FTR really. But see, but see, I know why they brought Jay White though. They brought Jay White because what they plan to do is Bullet Club versus Elite, or um, bullet or Bullet Club or Slash Elite versus the Paradigm, which is going to be the the AEW version of Undisputed Era. Because what I'm waiting for, and I'm hoping that Roderick Strong gets out his contract and brings his ass to AEW so they can reform them. Because that was a great-ass click. It was, and, but for whatever reason, Roderick's re-signed, and I don't know if they will let him... I mean, you never tell with WWE, but it, yeah. they're trying to do something with him, so I don't see him yeah. going... I mean, he couldn't... Like, not... You can't replace Roderick, but you can find somebody to fill that fourth slot. Mm-hmm. But also, but again, that would be a great like a like a bullet club type deal versus the the new paradigm or whatever they're going to call themselves. Mm-hmm. But again, you have so much going on, and and there's certain wrestlers that you insist on. Like again, Orange Cassidy is not really doing anything, but he's on the show every week, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, and then there's your women division, and again, your tag division. FTR is actually wrestling, but I haven't seen. Uh, you know, like they're not being pushed to the level that they should be being pushed, and there's a lot of stuff. Like again, there's so much good when they, when they're they're doing so much good that when they're kind of missing the beat, it's becoming more apparent. And mm-hmm. it's like somebody needs to take the checkbook away from Tony and be like, "Man, <laughs> let's develop what we got now. Let's stop signing." <laughs> well, honestly, again, he has. You know, the, the the obviously they gave him a second show, uh, and the AEW has been around for like not even I don't think officially three years yet, and so they're doing well enough, and they're putting on better better shows, um, and they're and they're you know mm-hmm. when what they're doing right they're doing really right. I would I would if you're gonna spend money then go to Impact, buy it. I last time I looked the value of Impact was seven million dollars. And that's everything. So buy it and make it impact, you know, rampage, uh, you know, impact rampage. Again, keep it a separate company. Leave everybody that you have as a champion champion. Get all the mm-hmm. contracts situated and then move like, you know, move Keithley, move certain people over there and be like, look, you signed a two year contract. You do not show up on on dynamite at all. It's two separate companies. And when it's over. When your contract's up, we're renegotiating. Possibly, you know, keep it under one parent company, but two separate divisions, yeah. and that way you have a third brand. And you know, again, get hire we yeah. hire Regal, hire Regal to run your your impact. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that could work. And you and you focus on AEW. Yeah, and, because because yeah. I mean, because they could do the two brands like WWE doing, because they have mm-hmm. enough roster. The, but the question is, would but I wouldn't want them to do two di- two different world champions. Now that's well, the, the killer. The the issue is when you do brands, the W, you know, then you're just gonna. It's like oh, they're doing the WWE thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, with the corporate world, you can buy Impact, move it on over. You own the yeah. rights. Now you have enough content. Now, also oh, trust me, uh, 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 the, the Impact ain't getting bought. <laughs> impact, impact, nothing to worry about because they practically own a fucking TV station with access. Well, and now with New Japan coming back, they're really about to make money. Well, you know, I figured if, like, if Tony bought Impact, this is all hypothetical yeah. in, in fantasy booking. If he bought it again, it's it's with if, to somebody who's a billionaire. It's it, to that. It's like to him, it's worth like it's, it's like spending a quarter. 
you, you just move the show over. There's not a whole lot you have to, you know, and essentially do the corporate structure and keep it separate. Doing a brand split, just it's more of a comparison to WWE. Now, now they could do what NWA is doing. The NWA world title is the main focus on power. And then they have another show called NWA USA, where the main focus is the national heavyweight title. They could do it that way to where you have Rampage, which is all about the TNT title, the TBS title. You feel what I'm saying? You have your roster built around that. You feel me? That way I'll throw mm-hmm. Keith Lee at because you also know that Sammy Kavar is supposed to eventually wrestle uh, Daniel Bryan, which we already know what's going to happen with that TNT champion. Uh, and I'm all for that shit. So they could easily do it that way because the problem is that when you're trying to fit everybody onto Dynamite main show, you're not going to be able to highlight everybody perfectly, you know, period. And I think with Rampage, because even though they're doing an hour, I think at some point they're going to just to decide to go two hours and be like, we got a big ass roster. Let's separate the roster. Not, like a brand split, but these guys featured on Rampage mainly. These are featured on Dynamite. And then when you have the big events like the pay-per-views, that's when you mesh them together. You I, feel me? I would have to be convinced. I would have to be convinced that they're, because again, when you, I mean, that actually is not a bad idea at all. Um, mm. But the problem is the temptation to intermingle becomes too great whereas yeah. if you had two corporate entities and there and you and again you had like legal contracts that basically like okay Matt Cordona is the now impact world heavyweight champion and he's over here causing chaos and he could talk and here's the thing they could talk all the shit they want on their show but it's like well he's signed a three-year deal with impact so he I don't know what like he's not going to be in AEW anytime soon they would have to really be disciplined and it'd be very careful how and when they intermingle the talent between the shows to keep them separated mm-hmm. because it's because when you intermingle and you're trying to have two separate brands, you have to like, you know, and, and also the brand should have a different kind of style. Like maybe give a uh, rampage to the, to the bucks and Omega and have them do that. But it, it could be mm-hmm. more of that style where keep punk and Danielson and everything and keep it more of that, modern slash old school style of wrestling you know it's 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 easier said than done that it's just a matter of discipline and being able to juggle all these creative personalities and telling some wrestlers like hey you're not going to get your own way today you're, you're gonna have to you're not going to be the top guy for another couple of months you got to deal with it you got to put on the big boy pants and you got to deal with it mm, yeah because to me uh because to me it's um What's what I'm looking for? To me, it's about building it. It's about building the stars. And they because the last episode did over a million, actually 1.12 million to be exact. And it was beautiful. You know what I'm saying? So to me, I think that they're getting into their groove. Now the one thing I do want to talk about is that I, I had really go out of that whole show. Thank you, Tony Khan, for doing a Texas death match fucking properly. 
I love the fact and that Dan Lambert at the beginning of the took the top rope off. That alone made that match just great to me. Um, because one, the buckshot Larry is his finisher. He uses the top rope. So the whole story was even when he had uh, Lance Archer dead to rights, he couldn't finish him for the longest because he had no way to do the buckshot. <laughs> like the fact that they got juice. I am sorry. A match when you this just me. Maybe I'm old school. Texas Death Match. I need blood. Cage Match. I need blood. Yeah. Strap well, Match. I need blood. I need to well, see that's blood. Because that's the point of the match. And back in the old days, that was when the the color was you know, and it meant you know, or in a very physical like Ric Flair would do an hour draw and he would bleed in the last five minutes. Yeah, you know, and he start doing the head shake, and he start doing the backing off, um, because uh, there's a sign for doing the one hour draw where, you know, the traveling champion would come in, and it'd be like, you know, can can our can our local champion beat? Can our local hero beat the champ? And you know, then around the forty five minute mark, you would see a change in the pace, and then by the fifty minute mark, he's like he's like, oh my god, he's coming back and then in that la- that five to ten last five to ten minutes it goes from can our local hero can he beat the traveling champion to can the champion hold on he's in trouble and you know and then that's why they always had a perfectly time to where he ha- the 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 challenger would have the pin and it'd be the one the two bell ring yeah oh no the chant you didn't beat our guy you just held on long enough and that was the art to it same thing with the blood. The blood, it does need... That's why the Extreme Rules pay-per-view for WWE is my, the one I hate the most, because you have an entire card of of specialty matches and not one drop of blood. And it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, you, you know, you're trying to... I don't know. You, you, you're, you're trying to eat a pork chop and, and have it be closer at the same time. It's like it doesn't work that way. You can't yeah. have both. And um, I have not seen the match yet, but uh, I am going to watch it. Uh, Dory Funk yeah. Jr., Dor- a little old school, Dory Funk Jr. developed the match. He created it, and he was a master of it. And he mm-hmm. did that because sometimes you would have either, for whatever reason, not enough wrestlers or wrestlers would skip out. So mm-hmm. he would have the Texas Death Match, which can go on, and I and – I, had to fact check, but I think like there were times where the match went on for like two hours. Yeah. Because, and you know, there were bloody affairs. And in that way, you, I don't know, had three matches on the card, but the one match was this all out Donnybrook that went two hours. Yeah. Cactus Jack and Mick, uh, and, uh Vader in Halloween Havoc 93, I believe, had mm. one of the best main event, you know, Texas <laughs> Death match. Um, but one of the all time best, I'm going. And I do apologize to anybody. I kind of slacked on the Twitter page. I have to, um, I have to kind of, I realized I have to make an adjustment on how I access the thing. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to do it. I was trying to do it. I have my Twitter on my, on the app, but then I have the Twitter for the rest for the show on, on my internet and you can't access anything when it's on the internet. So I have to kind of do a little old, old man has to do a little, little technological movement so I can access the Twitter, the wrestling Twitter a little easier and keep the updates going. So you have to let mm-hmm. grandpa 
take a day to like you know put that in. Um, but uh, there was a match. There was Dutch Mantel and Jerry Lawler, I believe, eighty six, eighty seven, versus uh, Buddy Landell and Bill Dundee. And the match, I believe, went uh, like forty some minutes with twenty seven falls with a really original finish. Uh, I'm gonna find it and post the YouTube link on the Twitter today. Uh, Grandpa's gonna figure out how to access to Twitter, and I'm going to put this <laughs> on there. And it's a great match. I mean, you, unfortunately, the, the entirety of the match, uh, as far as anybody knows, doesn't exist. But what's on YouTube is amazing. And then they did this really original finish. And uh, no, it, and, and it's one of the best Texas death matches I've ever seen. Um, and actually, uh, finish, I know you got something to say, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, you actually just reminded me of something I wanted to bring up on the show, but uh, say what you were going to say. No, because, um, no, it was, it was about, you know, what what was going on with that Texas death match. And I even loved the ending where he convinced the referee to bend over, wrap the barbed wire, <laughs> yeah, and, clo- and clotheslined um, Archer. And they both went through the two tables. You know, period, and um, and of course he got back in the ring. You know, so he got back in the ring, and Archie didn't get up for the ten count because they did it because most normal death matches is not a ten count; it's really a pinfall. So I like the way that they did did it as a last man standing type Texas death match versus a pinfall. Well, you know, what I'm saying? well, I mean, I know they missed. But isn't that the point of a Texas death match? You you pin, and then there's a ten count to answer the. Mm-hmm. You have a ten. 10 count to answer to get to your feet and then the match continues. Yeah. Uh, um, but, but see, but see, I thought, but I remember the original was pinfalls. Uh, no, I, I, I see. Okay. So now we're going to have to, I'm going to make a note. I'm going to, let me get a pen. I'm going to make a note and see if I, I'm going to research the old rules. Cause the reason why the match was able to last so long when Dory Funk senior did it, mm. was you get the pin and then there's like a 10 count. And that's what helps keeps the match going on. Yeah, because, um, because I remember reading, reading about the, the first death, especially when, when Jim Cornette were talking about it, it was multiple falls. So yeah. it was like, it was to when one of them couldn't go anymore, I take yeah. it. Or couldn't answer uh, the, the well, 10 count after the fall was over. We're going to have to... Uh, yeah, we're going to we're gonna have to... I'm going to do the research on that, and we'll have an answer for you guys. I thought that was the, you know... Uh, because I, I always thought the last man standing match was the guy was down and he had a 10 count to get to his Yeah, team, yeah, that's the last man Texas, standing. You had to get the pin. Um, that, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Um, are we about to find out right now? I, I just looked it up. I did have uh, one day where I did a little bit of research and I called okay, that. My bad. My bad. Hold on. I'm about to read it to you. A Texas death match is a rational match similar to a last man standing match. The only difference is being that you must be pinned. Then a 10 count is initiated. That's for the Texas death? Yes. Okay, okay. So you had to be pinned in a 10 count to be initiated. So after the fall, you still had to be able to answer the 10 count in the match. If you answer the 10 count in the match, continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why. And it was a brilliant idea. Like, Dory, you know, uh, you know, his sons are so famous that I think he kind of gets overlooked, but was like a really, a really uh, a wrestling genius. You know, one of those like you know in the in the vein of uh, of uh, 
of uh, Billy Graham and, um, you know, uh, uh, Shire out in California, like a booking mind. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because the Amarillo territory apparently was never like a big money drawing territory. You didn't go there to get famous, but it was a solid territory to work and a great place to go to school. And that was all because of uh, the Funk family and Dory Sr. Uh, but what I was saying, I felt it's funny because it, it, the Texas Death match is one of those matches that if you work it right, like you said, it could go for an hour and a half and people are going to be engaged. Yeah. Uh, I watched, uh, I discovered a pot of gold, which again, I'm going to be posting a lot of stuff um, in the Twitter page in the weeks to come. Uh, is the elusive Portland territory. I found a, like a, like a channel that has some stuff from the seventies and eighties, a lot of stuff from the nineties, but like Portland wrestling is always, was always famous for generating stars, but also having just great solid wrestling. And I saw Dutch Savage and a very young, uh, very healthy iron Sheik. And I, I think it might've been the late seventies, early eighties have a coal miner glove match. And this is Ooh. like this is not this is not WWE like even in eighty three eighty four this was like young and like he can go and he was still like really lean and he they the cold cold minor glove matches usually suck but these guys and I was gonna put it on the Twitter uh, specifically because it showed the art and the science behind wrestling these guys worked the match. And it was a mm-hmm. bloody match before the glove even came into play, and they were just in and out of the ring, and it was you know, and it was brawling, and it was it was really good and engaging. Then the glove came off the pole, and then they started fighting of the glove. So eventually, the match continued with drama because now the glove is on the ground. Of what's going on? And then finally, mm-hmm. uh, I don't want to give away the ending, but somebody grabbed the glove, and you know, used the glove and got the win. And I was sitting there going, this might be this ha- well it is it is the best cold minor glove match i've ever seen and i've seen guys who people would argue are better wrestlers have that mm-hmm. match and the match was like a fart in church uh dutch yeah. savage who was a legend in portland wrestling and the iron sheik who i'm gonna assume he started doing the iron sheik gimmick in the late 70s so i'm assuming this is mm-hmm. still young early iron sheik and they were going at it. And the Iron Sheik, you know, it was always, I mean, he was good in the 80s because he knew how to work that gimmick. But when you watch a healthy uh, Iron Sheik work, I mean, he, it was, it was really, really good. And Buddy Rose, I've been watching a lot of Buddy Rose this week. And Buddy Rose is one of those forgotten, unsung heroes. Like, he, you know, he, he was in Portland for seven years for a reason. Like, he, knew how to work he knew how to you know do the drama and everything else like he is is a you know an, a, like an incredible wrestler i mean i always knew he was good but to watch him have several different types of matches and the way he worked the crowd and everything uh you know had the weight not gotten away from him in the 80s i honestly think you would have saw a lot more on a on a bigger stage mm-hmm. uh yeah, hell, like we were talking about the rock and roll, uh, not the rock and roll, the Midnight Rockers versus Doug Summers and and uh, Buddy Rose. Even when he had the weight, he was mm. a great worker. When Kerry yeah. Von Eric came in in the '90s, they had him do a pro- like a program, quote unquote, with Buddy Rose to get him ready for the audience. 
And Buddy, a big old boy then, uh, you know, was able to make Carrie look like a million dollars and keep pace with him, yeah. you know. So uh, I'm going to be uh, – I think, you know, next week we'll do a little more talking about Portland wrestling. But um, yeah. it was really, you know, some – but the, that cold minor glove match, it's, it's, it's a real science to pull off those specialty matches. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a way to do it and there's a science behind it. And it's it's just really impressive to see guys that like oh this match is gonna suck and then actually make it like can they do it again? Can they can they come back next week and do this? So so that's it for pretty much um the week in review for wrestling for the most part, the most important part. So um please check us out. Pro Wrestling Smoke. We do pro at Pro Wrestling Smoke S on Twitter, which I'm on now. And I'm tweeting some something on my little hot because like I told you before, I know internet. Now it's time for old to the old school, and like we told you, this is Black History Month. We're highlighting Black history within wrestling. Hey. It's funny that we talked about on this Bearcat right. Now we about the original with the Bearcat right. You know? Yes. The other guys that used the Bearcat. But he was the first and the main one. And he was actually first black man technically to hold a major world title at the time. Um, in 1961, he defeated Killer Kowalski to the big time pro wrestling champion. And, um, and actually, he won this belt five days before Martin Luther King was murdered, which you guys said, damn, that's huge. You know, so tell us a little bit about Bearcat Wright, bro. Well, yeah, I was going to bring that up because I actually learned that factoid this week. But what he he was the first black uh, world heavyweight champion, and it was. Uh, but it's recognized uh, the he's recognized as the WWA uh, world heavyweight champion, the first black heavyweight champion, which was a very popular well, aggressive man, title. He died. Black dream speech. Let me correct that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, in 1963, uh, the World Wrestling Association, which was based in L.A., which was a hot jump of territory, very progressive. We talked about it last week where Jim Mitchell went there and made, like, for the time, like John Cena money as a black man. It was a huge star. I wrestled all the big names. If you were a big name, Wild Red Barry, uh, you know, Gorgeous George, <clears throat> uh, The Destroyer, Freddie Blassie, you were in the WWA out in California. And uh, in 1963, he uh, he beat Freddie Blassie uh, mm-hmm. for the WWA title and became the first black heavyweight champion. Um, mm-hmm. And this was the highlight of his career. Up until that point, he was a wrestling star. He, he wrestled through the 40s and 50s. He was. He did a lot of tag team wrestling with like the big names of the day, like a uh, Haystack Calhoun and and um, Bobo Brazil 
and and you know basically being the smaller athletic guy to come in and like wow the crowd over the larger uh partner but the mm-hmm. highlight of his career in the prime of his career uh you know was winning the world title from freddie blassie uh and he was also kind of an innovator with using drop kicks and kicks mm-hmm. and he actually uh used a version of the claw uh that he just called the claw which was famous made famous by fritz von eric pl- playing the evil german and uh unfortunately where we got the heartwarming story of jim mitchell who was steadfast and always had his shit together and save for his future and there was uh you know a rare happy ending for a wrestler mm-hmm. not just like a black wrestler but any wrestler uh i read in freddie blassie's biography where he touches on it briefly um they after a period of time they wanted you know bearcat to drop the title which is just you know how it was in in wrestling it, to this day when they tell you that you're going to drop it that's you drop it and uh the bearcat uh you know you know fought against segregation like a lot of black wrestlers did and came up the hard way and freddie and apparently and it's well documented that when he won the world title it kind of changed him like he became obsessed with being the world t- champion. Uh, he was a very good champion, you know. I mean, he put on the shows. He had great matches, but mm-hmm. he did not want to lose it. And he kind of had a he had a little bit of a of a distrust of whites. There was a little bit of anger there, and I mm-hmm. believe also because this is you know, obviously after uh, you know the death of like Dr. King and everything and all the stuff that's going on in the '60s. He wasn't as diplomatic as a uh, Jim Mitchell and mm. he was supposed to drop the title to uh, Eduardo uh, Capartia uh, yes who actually, ironically uh, had a hand in in creating the AWA title but mm. he refused to drop the title to Capartia and the thing about Bearcat was he's a second generation his dad was a famous uh, boxer at the time mm-hmm. uh, who also had to term use the name Bearcat and unfortunately you know uh, I did not have a chance to make solid notes uh, and and we I did not have the benefit of a, of a well-written book uh, I had, I I had a research fact but he was but also not only was he strong and athletic but he himself had an eight no record in professional boxing so while he wasn't a shooter in a traditional sense, Bearcat was nobody to fuck with. Bearcat knocked your ass yeah. out. Bearcat don't fuck yeah. about. So uh, they, uh, you know, he wouldn't drop it to Capontier. And at the time, Freddie Blassie was held up in the hospital with some bruised ribs. And Freddie was like, well, you know, the LaBelles who run the territory, including the famous Judo Gene LaBelle, mm. uh, who we'll probably talk about on the road because he had a big part in wrestling history and 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 mma you know the bells went to him worried because like we can't get the belt off this guy and this guy's like a legitimate badass so uh freddie's like don't worry i'll talk to bearcat he you know i'm his friend and freddie you know they were friends and freddie you know did the honors for him and it was time for bearcat now to do the honors and he was not going to give up that belt but freddie went to him and he said okay you know what we're doing tonight and he's like yes 
you know, you I'm going over tonight. It's like, yes, you're, you're giving, you're passing the belt back to me. And, and the Bearcat was like, yes. They went to the ring in the Olympic Auditorium. And immediately Bearcat, who was just ridiculously strong and capable in the ring, and Freddie had injured ribs at the time, uh, Bearcat started to manhandle uh, Freddie and, mm-hmm. and basically double-crossed Freddie in a real-life double-cross and essentially <laughs> knocked Freddie out. Like, he was outside yeah. the ring, and, and again, Bearcat, being a son of a boxer and a former pro boxer, knocked the shit out of him and sent him to the mat, and he got counted out, and then he left the ring. Now, now they have a real problem. Because yeah. one, Freddie Freddie Blassie was very upset that that Bearcat would do this to him, and clearly, you know, the whole thing had gone to his head. And and looking mm-hmm. back, being a black man that era, you can understand now some of the emotion that he was going through and his yeah. distrust of of white promoters and everything. So they set up a rematch between him and Freddie, and they had a little surprise for Bearcat. When he came to the ring, there was Freddie Blassie. We came out to go to the ring. And in the ring, waiting for him, were Freddie Blassie and Judo Jean LaBelle. And real quick, Judo Jean LaBelle was an MMA groundbreaker. He was a shooter. He was, a, like, an exceptional judo. judo. Yeah, like, really a badass in Judo. Like, he has a I – think, I think he might have a red belt or close to it. I think he does have a red belt now. And and Judah and Gene was never a great work, but he was just a badass. So basically, they were gonna have him wrestle Judo Gene Labelle that night as mm. a uh, as a replacement for Freddie. And 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 Judo, as badass as uh, Bearcat was in his own right, Judo was gonna if he wanted that belt, he was gonna take it. Yeah. And Bearcat saw this in the ring, turned around and walked out of the ring and left the building. And they had no choice but to strip him of the title and put it on. Compantier, Compantier, yeah. and Compantier dropped it back to Freddie, and you know it was a great moment in history. Unfortunately, not the the grandest uh, you know title run that you would hope for the first Black World Champion. Uh, and after that, Bearcat was blackballed for a time. Uh, mm-hmm. He went up to like Portland and worked other territories, but he was a draw and he was a charismatic wrestler. So he continued to draw money. So yeah. eventually the black ball was lifted and he came back to Los Angeles territory. Uh, he never quite achieved the same heights. He never got the world title back. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually in the seventies, he retired from active ring duty and became a manager in the Memphis territory where he was. Yeah. Yeah, I, I saw the promo he did. Yeah, yeah, he, and he managed the Mongolian Stomper. And again, it was a thing of, again, people back then were a little, uh, you know, wrestlers, you know, had to kind of look out for themselves. So sometimes, you know, a payoff dispute would happen or, you know, they didn't like the way the 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 narrative was going to go. So wrestlers would just leave. So one day you would have a big angle shot and somebody would get upset and they'd be gone. And that was kind of Bearcat's, remainder of his career he was a manager a great talker and you know kind of would show up uh, something would happen he would leave people get mad at him he's never coming back he would make you know obviously he would welcome him back because at the end of the day he drew money uh unfortunately he passed from sickle cell in 1982 uh and you know but a greater tragedy and again i can't really give him too much grief for doing the 
the screw job on Freddie or not wanting to drop the belt or being very distrustful because, again, when you think about what a lot of these black wrestlers had to deal with, you know, in a lot of territories, there's segregation, there's, you know, they didn't get paid as much as like a white wrestler just for the simple fact, you know, you're black. Uh, you know, the mindset, I think, I think it was more about just what he was dealing with emotionally and not being able to process it like a, a black man would be able to today. And other than him just getting an ego and being a dick, I think it's important to point out that he just wasn't being an asshole. It was probably a lot of stuff uh, throughout the years yeah. of being in wrestling it's, and in boxing that he had to endure. And it kind of... Yeah. <laughs> so he had to endure that but that was uh the, the very first black heavyweight champion the mm. second one we're gonna we're gonna touch on the other the first next few uh the wwa world heavyweight title had two iterations the los mm. angeles and uh the indianapolis under the crusher uh the mm. next the second world uh black heavyweight champion was uh, the famous Bobo Brazil in 1966. Yeah, I saw that. For the Los Angeles, uh, for the Los Angeles uh, version of the title, and he beat Buddy Austin in in September of 1966 to become the second uh, world champion. Uh, I believe in 1968, uh, they, you know, the NWA, I believe, took over and they switched it from the WWA to NWA Hollywood, uh, and. You know, that was the end of the WWA era in Los Angeles. Uh, and then the Crusher took the belt and the, the WWA and went to Indianapolis where he was like a god there and started the promotion and furthered the world title. And in 1972, we got our third black world heavyweight champion in Art Sailor Thomas. Mm -hmm. Uh <clears throat> He was a solid journeyman who did a lot to fight segregation during the 60s. And, he, you know, his fights were rewarded with a world title run, uh, you know, with the WWA, not the uh, rebranded NWA Hollywood. Uh, and the WWA Indianapolis title was actually as much as the Los Angeles territory was progressive the WWA Indianapolis version was more so because mm -hmm. they had, uh, you know, Arcelo Thomas who served as a merchant Marine and then, you know, broke into wrestling, uh, become one of their world champions. But, well, oh, I'm sorry. It was Dick, the bruiser that ran the Indianapolis. I get them sometimes mm -hmm. mixed up. It was a crush on the bruiser, but the Dick, the bruiser ran the WWA in Indianapolis. The mm -hmm. second world champion, the W the wwa indianapolis had was <clears throat> the big cat ernie lad who we're going to be talking about in depth next week uh -huh. uh, who really was uh, a groundbreaking uh wrestler in so many different ways that he really should have his own profile of course i have to have my own profile coming off coming off you big dumb son of a bitch you're sitting here having a podcast and you're trying to tell me i'm not just a footnote i need my whole damn profile I cover the ground I walk on. I'd rather fight a man to make love to a woman. I'm big cat early lad. You big, big dumb son of a bitch. <laughs> hey, uh, y'all heard it. Yeah, next week we're doing a big uh, uh, early lad because I'm sorry I grew up on that motherfucker. 
Oh, uh, yeah, no, he just had a great promo. He could work. He was a giant. He did. And he was also, again, we're going to touch on it, the first black uh, booker in wrestling. Yes. Um, and uh, we, uh, you told me you had another podcast to shoot. And yeah. I and I did not have, and I'm going to touch on it. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to touch on it a little bit before we do Ernie Lads next week. I'm going to do a quick, you know, uh, thing. But I want to mention some of the other because again, WWE, I had a dig for the info on some of these black world champions because the WWE, again, is in their revisionist history is trying to paint a picture. But uh, a third, a fourth, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a third uh, WWA uh, world champion for Indianapolis in 87 was a, a wrestler I don't know very much about, but uh, Clipso Jim. Mm. Uh, he was known at one time as Bobo Brazil Jr. Uh, and he held that title, uh, you know, until the company folded. In, uh, in He won the title in 87, and he had, I believe he held it until the, the title, the company folded in 1988. Uh, you also have Iceman King Parsons, who was a huge star in WCCW Texas with the Von Ericks. Um, they broke off from the NWA after Kerry was you know, had the NWA belt taken off and they made their own world champion. And mm-hmm. Iceman Parsons had a run as a world champion. I'm just going to run through it. Now that was, uh, in, that was in 1988 and then, uh, did not the first, uh, person, uh, four years later, and this is where everybody thinks this is the first black world heavyweight champion because it was the first time in a, a major national television. And that was Ron Simmons, uh, beating Big Van Vader in 1992. Uh, and that's what a lot of people... He was the first WCW uh, Black Heavyweight Champion. Not the first NWA Black Heavyweight Champion, but the first WCW Black Heavyweight Champion. And, you know, I watched some of uh, his title matches recently in, in research for this. And it was a shame because it was not the best run it could be. They didn't really give him anything to work with. It's kind of, they basically sandbagged him as a champion. And a few short months later, I believe in either December of 92 or January of 93, he lost the title back to Vader. Uh, But he, he did not, and he never got a chance at the world title again. I always felt the WWE made a big mistake, not giving Farouk the world title. Um, And that, you know, and then, you know, you, you have uh, guys, obviously, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Booker T. Uh, the next notable champion uh, would be R-Truth, who is, yeah. in fact, the actually first recognized black NWA heavyweight World champion. Champion. In, yeah, in 2002. One more thing. Bob Sapp became mean to hold the new Japan world title. Yes, yes. Very actually, yes. Uh and uh they actually I was coming down the list and they actually yes, he was the first and only black man to hold the IWGP heavyweight champion in two thousand four. Uh I, you know, and then there's a wrestler named Ruckus who held the ZCW World Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. Um yeah. and I'm not gonna not to take anything away from Evolve or CZW, but the last two major groundbreaking 
black world champions uh, until maybe they AEW would be uh, Bob Sapp's winning, especially being a guy, Gina being black and winning the world heavyweight title in Japan. But the NWA being the, you know, the, the, the Lombardi trophy of wrestling, the, the Stanley cup of wrestling to go that many decades and the first actual recognized world champion was our truth who, you know, was a good mm-hmm. champion, but it, the fact yes. that it took to 2002, uh, the WWA holds the distinction of, 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 uh, crowning, uh, the first, let's see here, the one, two, three, uh, four, the first four black world champions held a WWA world title, the WWE and the WCW and the NWA, we're long, uh, like way behind the curve. Uh, you know, the WWE yeah, actually, yeah, and WWE and NWA coming in at the very last. Um, Japan, I'm going to give a little bit of a, a little bit of a break to because of the culture. Like, it's a big deal if a if a white guy team won a title, and even then, they never really held the title for very long. This is when. Uh, they were doing mixed martial arts, and it was being more real with their wrestling. Yeah, you know, they were mixed martial artists, karate people, and stuff like that. That's part of the reason why Bob Sapp won because he literally, legitimately won the match. It wasn't they said you're going to win it. No, he actually beat the person to fuck up to win the belt. So it was actually a real fight that went down in that match. So people can understand. Yeah, I mean. Bob Sapp was one of those cases of uh, he just had the genetics and and, you know, he didn't really even if you watch his fighting, he was never a tactical fighter. He was just so big and so imposing. And and he actually burnt himself out between the MMA and the K1 and then doing the wrestling. He made so much money mm-hmm. in Japan, but he was doing I mean, he, he like like Dick Byer. He just mm-hmm. wasn't a fighter or wrestler. He became he became a huge superstar. So he was just taking every opportunity and just burnt himself out. I believe his title, he, though his, his run in Japan ended after losing a fight to an opponent that they thought he was going to just clean the floor with. And I think, you know, he lost the fight and then just got on the plane and went home. And I believe he was stripped of the, you know, I have to double check. He, he was stripped of the IWGB title because he just went home and he says like, man, I'm tired. I have dogs that I don't even ever see. He just wants to like, I just want to be able to like take a day off and go on, you know? So he did that thing that I'm currently myself in my career trying to do where I'm trying to push myself to the point where it's like, okay, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta take, I gotta like take a month off or something, you know? And um, like this week was a little crazy, but a good way you know, I'm making the adjustment to being busy again, but it's like, yeah, you want to be able to grab all those opportunities. And Bob did uh, point of research, just a note. Uh, the, I got some information from the listen to me, listen to you pets and geeks, uh, the, the biography of classy Freddie Blassie. Uh, mm-hmm. If you want to see the list of the 28 black world heavyweight champions, you can go to last word on sports.com. Uh, the title of the article is Kofi Kingston becomes 28th black world champion. So you could go by and review the list. Um, 
as we go forward, and tweet the list on it. And, and tweet the list on the um. If be able to tweet it, tweet it on the um. Oh, the, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet all that stuff. Uh, I'm gonna tweet. I just like to because uh, you know again we're we're trying to build this podcast into being one of the best wrestling podcasts, and a lot of yeah. Don't I want to make sure that when I post a photo or I post where I get the research from, like even if I post a photo on the Twitter, I want to make sure I give the credit to the photographer or the website. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to do things the right way and the honorable way and make sure everybody gets credit for the for the content that we're bringing you. Um, I am going to, you know, start on Ernie Ladd probably tonight. Uh because mm. there's so much to talk about with Ernie Ladd. He had so many, not only a brilliant football career, and he played for my Chiefs, but he went on and, be, you know, he was a black Andre the Giant, but he did so much more, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, so, yes, uh, again, and also uh, at the end of this, I'm going to compile a large list and put it on Twitter and talk about it in the show uh, two mm. shows from now it really is important to push back on like the revisionist history of the WWE black wrestlers have had such a huge impact on pro wrestling as far as tag teams, breaking barriers, helping end segregation and all it that when I started this project, I really wanted to honor black history and I really want to honor the black wrestlers and so much they've done so much that literally you would have to be like, eight segments and I would have to we have to wait like two months so I can you know grab and, and reach for all the info to make and do right by everybody so it is such a vast history uh, don't let it be fooled The Rock was not the first black world champion Ron Simmons uh, much respect to him was not the first black world champion no. a lot of great wrestlers uh, you know uh, set the standard and open a lot of doors so people like Ernie Ladd and Ron Simmons and Tony Atlas that everything could, you know, reach the, the level that they did. And and I promise this week, old old man Billy is gonna it's gonna fix the Twitter so he can access it easier and 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 put stuff up. And I'm gonna put up a lot of pictures and and clips of like Bearcat and Ernie Ladd and Bobo Brazil and some interviews and stuff and see how great these guys are. Because they were they were some working talking fools, all of them, oh, yeah. all the total package. They could do it all because they had to. Most definitely. So, people, there you go. Another show in the books of Pilgrim on Wrestling, aka Pro Wrestling yeah. Smoke. Two, two, and- two tired old men who who had bad weeks. We still were able to bring it to you. So, yeah. so we were getting you young. So get off my lawn. Please pull up your pants. Damn it. And turn I don't like you, young rap. You all rock and rap, hip and hopping and music, and, and, and tie your shoes and call your mothers. Oh man. my God. That's why I love doing these shows with you, man. It's like you make me laugh and make my day feel better. I swear. No, I same, love my same, I'm not going to lie. Same to you. Uh, I was kind of dragging a little bit this morning, and I was trying, and I felt bad because I was like, okay, you know, you live and you learn. I was like, okay, I got to really. A schedule down and I and I managed to get the research that I needed but it wasn't as organized as I wanted but mm. when you called me and said that we were going to allow the audience to just listen to the show for the next month so they can get a vibe of what we do and that we were getting yeah. listens I mm. really appreciate that because I actually love doing this show yeah and I love talking to you but I really if you're di- if you're a fan and you're digging this show and you're with us as we kind of set up the format and we put this thing together in real time thank you 
and it it really makes it worthwhile knowing that people are enjoying the show. So yes. you know, I love talking to you as well, and I love that the fans are enjoying the show. Yeah, most definitely. So we got to run because we got shit to do, and it's Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, so with that yeah. being said, life is a learning experience. What's the point of experience? You didn't learn anything. Smoke this over. Talk to y'all later. Talk to y'all later. You guys have a good one. Go Rams. Just for today. Hey, how you doing? Let me tell you about a great deal. Why don't you come on over to the premium smoke room? There ain't no smoke like premium smoke. I'm talking about four premium podcasts. I'm talking about Miss Big Queen and the Porn Rap Star. I'm talking about Pilgrim on Wrestling. I'm talking about Causing Havoc with Princess Havoc, as well as the Reed Daily Report. Oh, I'm sorry. Five, STO Dark. Plus also extra premium episodes for some of the hottest ladies and gents in the business of porn. And all this for $4.99 a month. I'm talking about five to six extra episodes a week. On top of the free shit that you get. So do the math. Great deal. Only on Spotify, only on Anchor. Come check me out. Come catch this premium smoke. Black Wall Street is now online, baby. That's right. Visit the GW District. Shop the very best in men's and women's apparel and accessories, home decor, office supplies, books, pantry items, and so much more. The GW District is a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. We're both veteran and black-owned, and we're bringing you the best online shopping experience with products made by small businesses. Come and experience the GW District difference today at shopgwdistrict.com. That's shopgwdistrict.com. The GW District, a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. That's right. That's right.